This morning, our one-verse wonder is a man by the name of Gamal, who we find in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, in verse 17. Yeah, just you wait. I can't wait, yeah. <laughs> if we paraphrase if we paraphrase the opening of this chapter, then we'll get some context about who this guy was. And so if we look at pertinent information in verses one, three, and five, and then seventeen, this is how it would read. Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. David with Zadok divided the sons of Aaron according to the schedule of their service in the temple. Thus they were divided by lot, one group as another, for there were officials of the sanctuary and officials of the house of God, and the twenty-second lot fell to Gamal. So Gamal was a leader in the tribe of Levi in the household of Aaron. He was a priest, therefore, and he and twenty-three other chiefs of Levi came together at this time to represent their families, who would be scheduled throughout the year to serve in the temple that David was preparing to build. That schedule was called the course of the Levites, the course of the priests. Now, the name Gamal means rewarded or matured, and so today we will see that he can represent to us our calling as servants and priests here on the earth. Now, as good non-denominational Protestants, we protest the idea of a priesthood in our cultural sense, because in our general understanding, we would most often see a priest as someone who is, well, this person is holy, and then we must go through that person in order to get to God. Now, obviously, we believe that there is no separation between God and, and his people. Every Christian has direct access to God through Jesus Christ and him alone. And so you and I do not have to go to a priest in order to hear from the Lord. However, God has set up a priesthood. You know the verse, 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so, you know, we have our own cultural understanding, but God says, oh, there's a priesthood. You are my priesthood. You are my priests on the earth. And so as believers... We bring those people who are lost in darkness to God by sharing the light and the love that he has given us. That is the plan that the Lord has set up for the people of the earth, that believers go through the world and bring others to him that they might be saved. And so you and I are priests. Now, while our duties and interaction with the Lord are very different than those of the Old Testament priests and Levites, thankfully, we can look at how what they did and how God called them, and then we can learn about our relationship with the Lord. We can learn about how we serve as New Testament priests based on those principles from the Old Testament. I found a really great article which explains the practical duties of priests and Levites. Let me read you some expert excerpts from it, and then we'll make some comparison and application. So here we go. In 1 Chronicles 28, before the temple was built... David received instructions from the Holy Spirit and showed Solomon how to divide the priests and the Levites and how they were to serve. In, in the temple, there were several classes of Levites. There were priests, priest assistants, singers, musicians, gatekeepers, keepers of the treasure. Um, I have a lot of references in here. Um, if you go online later this week and, and download the PDF, you'll see the biblical references and the other stuff too. The priests and the Levites were divided into 24 courses within their assigned class. The length of each course was seven days. The week of service began and ended on the Sabbath. 
In addition, all the priests served for three extra weeks during the year, the big feast weeks. Each course of priests and Levites came on duty for a week from one Sabbath to another. Now, it should be made clear that not every priest and Levite in a course served every day. The service was subdivided among the various families which constituted a course. The Jewish calendar has only 51 weeks in a year. Each of the 24 courses therefore served twice a year, plus three weeks they all served for a total of five weeks during the year service in the temple. Every two or three years there is a leap year which adds a leap month, and it was not certain how the priests served on those extra days. There were a great number of priests and Levites in the temple at all times. According to 1 Chronicles 23, 4 and 5, there were 24,000 priests and priest assistants. There were 4,000 gatekeepers and 4,000 musicians. They were divided into 24 courses according to their assignment. And so when a course was on duty at the temple, all its members were bound to appear there in the temple. Therefore, there were more than 1,300 Levites in the temple at any given time, although not all of them were serving on the same day. Now, before the break of the, of the day, the priests on duty were ready and they were assembled to cast lots to decide the assignment of the various daily tasks. It started with the filling of the labors and the preparing the altar. At about 9 a.m., they opened the gates and blew the silver trumpets to announce the commencement of the morning service. The service included the slaying of the sacrificial lambs, salting the sacrifice, trimming the lampstand, burning the incense, presenting the burnt offering and drink offering, blessing the people, and blasting the silver trumpets. This was followed by the psalm of the day, presented by the singers, accompanied by instrumental music. Immediately after the morning service, the Israelites would bring in their private sacrifices and offerings. It would occasionally continue till near the time for the evening sacrifice, which was about 2.30 p.m. The evening service was similar to the morning service. It ended at about 4 p.m. At night, the priests kept watch about the innermost places of the temple, including the inner court and the temple itself. They also opened and closed all the inner gates. And this information was compiled for the priests at the time of David and Solomon and, and that time of the temple. Obviously, after the destruction of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity, that number of priests would have been diminished. So what do we see here and what does it mean to us? We already know that we are called to be priests, called to serve the Lord and to dedicate our lives to him in a New Testament sense that we read there in Peter's epistle. So we should be able to learn from how these guys were divided and how they served and apply those principles to our own lives on some level. So here's what we see. First, these men were called to serve from Sabbath to Sabbath. As New Testament believers living in the age of grace, we are to view every day as a Sabbath to the Lord. Hebrews 4.9, uh, that, that chapter talking about the rest of God says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now pair that with Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6.34, where he said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now you pair these things together and we can see our lives as a day-by-day -day opportunity to serve the Lord. Each morning we arise in God's grace, resting in all that he has done for us, serving him and offering our lives as worship. And then each evening as the day ends, we lie down in bed and our Sabbath for that day has concluded, only to start again with the next morning and a new day to serve the Lord that he has prepared for us. It really is a wonderful freedom to understand that day by day we can commune with God, walking with him in peace and rest, what we might call a spiritual Sabbath, every single day of the week. 
Now, second, there were different classes of Levites. There were priests and assistants and singers and musicians and gatekeepers and keepers of treasure. There are many different aspects to serving the Lord, and there are a lot of different tasks and ministries that need doing, not only in the church, but in the world at large. Different places, different services, different focuses, different people, just different everything. And so how do we know where and how we are to serve the Lord as individuals? In the temple here, the priests would assemble together in the morning and they would cast lots to decide their assignment for that day. It was up to God, not man, to decide what job each person would do day by day. I mean, the schedule of service itself was up to the Lord to decide. I suppose that our man Gamal, when he was when they were first setting up the courses and they gathered all the people together and they said, Okay, well, the Lord's gonna decide, you know, what you know, what time of the year you serve, you know, I think if you're a regular guy and, and if you're like us, I think if you're Gamo called, you're the 22nd out of 24 names called, you probably felt like the last kid kick, pick for kickball. You know, it's like, hey, hey, Lord, you know, name 20, name 21's coming and you're thinking, I guess the Lord doesn't think I'm all that important, perhaps. Maybe you didn't think that. I think I might have. But, but God's wisdom is to place his people where he wants, not necessarily where we think we would be the most successful. Um, and so if we are trying to determine our service and our ministry without the Lord's input, if we think, oh, well, this is what I want to do. And so obviously that's what the Lord wants me to do. And I don't really need to seek him about him about that or ask him about it. If we do that, then time and again, we're going to be spiritually unsuccessful because God's lot is the one that has been crafted and prepared and delivered to us by him, whether we think we deserve a different assignment or not, and this is a mistake that we make a lot um, as we serve the Lord. You know, even David, he said, "Well, I'm going to build you a temple," and the Lord said, "Uh, no, you're not going to do that. So I need you to, I need you to, you know, stop thinking that you're going to build it. You can prepare for it. You can do these following things, but no, I, I haven't given that lot to you. I'm giving that to your son." And so each morning, these priests would assemble and see where the Lord had placed them that day. It wasn't based on earthly skill. It wasn't based on merit. It wasn't based on popularity or wealth. It was based on the power of God and the guidance of his spirit. God looked down and said, okay, you're all priests. You're all Levites. And now I'm going to determine what each of you does today. Now, thirdly, we see their daily service and, and, and how that worked out. From morning to evening, these priests would prepare and cleanse. They would serve and worship. They would sacrifice and teach. They would sing and read. They would minister and encourage. All day, as they served the Lord, they would be brought face to face with people who had come to meet with God. They were people who needed help. They were people who needed to meet with the Lord. And these priests would be singing psalms and songs to the Lord, and they'd be reading from His Word. They'd be getting their hands dirty as they prepared sacrifices and cooked in the temple. As they cleaned their floors or their garments or cleaned themselves, they would be in this constant state of devotion and service and humility and worship and effort continually throughout the day. And then in the evening, they were watching. They were keeping watch in the temple and, um, and keeping watch there uh, in the inner courts. This is a pattern that our lives should follow as well as New Testament priests, a life lived as a spiritual priest who represents God to everyone around us, not as an obstacle between God and men, but as a conduit through which God's spirit and his power can move and affect lives. This is the calling that we find ourselves a part of as believers. Now, there is just so much that we can learn by studying the Levites and the priests in the Old Testament. These are just a couple of simple ideas. I would really encourage you to dig deep into this idea and go look at the, the tasks of the Levites or the priests 
and, and see how the Lord speaks to you personally by comparing your life and your ministry and your service to the lives of these faithful servants. But this morning, where does our man Gamal fit in, our one-verse wonder? Well, he was called to serve like we are called. He was given a specific time and place to minister, just as we are. When he and his family, uh, the men in his family, weren't in official ministry in the temple, they were to go and serve the people that they lived with out in the countryside of Israel, just like we are. Now, as we said before, his name means rewarded or matured. And so as we close, let's take these two descriptions to heart. For a while now, this theme of spiritual reward has been popping up again and again in our various studies, whether it's here on Wednesday mornings or Sunday mornings in 1 Corinthians and the Sermon on the Mount or Wednesday nights in Ezekiel. The Lord seems to be reminding us of this principle. Now, God never forces us to do anything. We know that. Uh, we live in, in His grace and He never asserts Himself onto us. That's not love. And as his spiritual priests, we are free to ditch out on our service to him. You know, I, don't, I think you were probably in some, some kind of trouble if you were a Levite and you just said, yeah, I'm not going to the temple today. But as New Testament priests, we're free to ditch out on our service to God. We're free to sacrifice nothing to him. We're free to ignore our calling and the opportunities that he gives us to grow and to serve. But if we're willing to follow God in the path that he's made for us, if we're willing to love him in the way that he loves us, if we're willing to sign on to this life that he's offering us, then the result is reward. Whether it's, you know, uh, you know, jewels in the crown of heaven or this idea that we've been hearing a lot of the adornments on the wedding gown that we're, uh, you know, we've studied on Wednesday nights, our lives are full of opportunities to adorn ourselves for our bridegroom in eternity. God is a giver and his desire is to give us rewards for our service. His desire is to pour out these spiritual blessings on us as we walk in his will. And so if we're the kind of people that don't care about spiritual rewards, then I would just say, quite frankly, we need personal revival. You know, I'm speaking to myself as well. You know, if we when we recognize an opportunity that God has brought to us to share our faith or to serve in some way and we say, I don't really care about that, you know, you know, it, it's something day by day that we have to work with. You know, then we need personal revival in that moment. We need to understand afresh what a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. Because if we are satisfied with the simple and corrupt things of earth, and if we have no desire for the faultless rewards of eternity, then indeed we've drifted away from the first love that God wants for us and for our relationship with him. And we are in danger of becoming ineffective, unusable, and saved as through fire, as the Bible puts it. And Gamal demonstrates that a servant of the Lord is rewarded for his faithfulness. But Gamal's name also meant matured. Serving God is not only about a future reward, as wonderful as that is, and we look forward to that, but it is also about growing in godliness and wisdom and peace and fruitfulness in our lives here on the earth. You know, the Lord isn't just saying, well, you know, follow me and I'll invest in your eternity. The Lord says, hey, follow me, I'll invest in your eternity where, you know, things don't wither away and I'll invest in your temporal life here on the earth. God has a great amount of fruit available to us uh, uh, listed out in the Bible and, and you know, uh, explained to us there. If we're willing to live a life that has room for growth, if we live lives that have no room for spiritual growth, then we're not going to be very fruitful. A life that is devoted to godly things, taking in God's word and his plan, and then producing those things which he speaks about in the Bible, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have fruitful lives. And so when we serve and when we minister, when we worship, when we live like a New Testament priest, then the result is going to be growth, maturity, 
And that godly maturity impacts every aspect of our lives, every relationship, every decision, every desire. If we devote ourselves to a life lived, planted by God, drinking in his living water, then our lives will be powerful and purposeful and revolutionary. And I want that kind of life. That's the kind of life I want. You know, a life that matters and has spiritual impact and eternal impact on the people around me and a life that has, you know, not only future eternal rewards, but also is, you know, has uh, uh, the growth of spiritual fruit and spiritual maturity. I want that kind of life. And I know you guys do, too. And so today, let's enter into God's spiritual rest and remember what he has done for us and who we are in Jesus Christ. Let's purpose in our hearts to serve the Lord and to worship him. Let's follow in the path that he's leading us. Let's respond to the call to be a mature, rewarded New Testament priest on behalf of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, our Creator, and our friend.